This is the Frogcast. Welcome to the Frogcast. I'm Jeff Mitchell. I'm glad that you're joining us here today. we got a lot to talk about with Daniel Southern, Jeremiah Glenn, Jeremy Clark. We're going to talk about Omaha. We've had five commits since our last show a week and a half ago, and maybe a six commit from the tw- a new commit from the 2017 class. We've got seven on seven that we had in Arlington this last weekend, as well as another month and a half of crazy commitment watch. That and so much more on this episode of the Frogcast. Jeremiah and Daniel, you're the resident baseball studs on our podcast. This was a great season that tragically ended this weekend when we were in the rubber match with Florida. The Frogs got to Omaha. The Frogs were um, you know, one game away from getting to the finals for, I believe, the third straight year. This was a season where we maybe exceeded expectations from what they might have been a month and a half ago, but we didn't quite get over that hump that we haven't been able to get over yet. Jeremy, when you look at the 2017 season for TCU baseball, what's your biggest takeaway and how do you summarize this with as much perspective as you can create the day after a crushing loss? Well, I, <laughs> it's tough. Like you said, it's the day after, so it's really tough to say. <clears throat> I, you know, I'm, I'm in of the mindset that if you make it to Omaha, it's a successful season. Now, obviously, this is the fourth year in a row. And, uh, you know, at some point you'd like to win one of these things like Schlossnagel keeps saying, you know, it's, it's so hard just to get to Omaha. So obviously uh, they would like to win one because nothing's ever promised. You know, you're not promised to get back there, but it's really hard to, to be down on these guys. They battled, you know, they lost Luke and Baker. They could have folded up shop when that happened, but they didn't, you know, you know, I'll be honest with you after the going into the big 12 tournament, I didn't see this team getting out of super regionals, but they just kept, kept fighting, uh, you know, huge pitching performances down the stretch to get them to Omaha. And then a really good showing in Omaha. They eliminated Texas A&M. They eliminated Louisville. Two really good programs. Um, they just ran into a buzzsaw in uh, Fiedo. I mean, the kid's a first-round pick, and he looked every bit of it. Um, nasty uh, set of pitches, and, and you know, TC really struggled to hit him. Basically, I feel like if anybody else is on the mound for Florida, TCU's in the final series with LSU right now. But, you know, the luck of the draw was they faced Fiedo twice, and that's all it took. That is all it took. We did not uh, bring our A game on offense, but you can't blame them because, my gosh, that's that's the most dominant pitcher I'd seen. He really shut down our lineup. Daniel, what's your big takeaway with as much perspective as we can have? Like Jeremiah said, a day after a, a tough loss. What's your summary of 2017? I'd say it's a pretty good success. Uh, I agree that anytime you make it to Omaha, that's definitely a, a successful season because it's so difficult uh, to make it there and um, – how you perform there uh, really shouldn't uh, reflect on uh, the accomplishment of of your season leading up to that. Um, it's and it sucks. Um, I like taking down Aggie um, uh, once again, ruining their season. I think that's probably one of the best new traditions in college baseball. <clears throat> um, I was worried about Louisville, but that that worked out to be no big deal. Um, the, but Florida, not so much. That uh, I mean, what else can you say? Uh, 18th overall pick, uh, Alex Fajardo, just, um, just 
just unstoppable. There's just nothing you could do about it. We play um, uh, we play Florida the second time, I guess. Dang, it's all running together. Anyway, we face somebody else. You know, take care of business. Not a problem. Then we have to face him again, and it was a problem. And we lose again, three to nothing, and it sucks. Uh, but it's as far as we've made it before um, to the semifinals. Uh, it would be great to win one. We've been there, you know, four years in a row, five out of the last uh, eight years. But um, that's that's it's not the worst thing ever. Look at Florida State; they've been there like over twenty times, and they still haven't won it. So uh, we got a long way to go to get to that point. Uh, so I'm not too worried about it. I think you know it'll it'll happen. Schloss isn't that old; he's 46. He's not going anywhere anytime soon. I think that uh, the recruiting is um, as good as it's ever been, and I'm looking forward to uh, what we can put together next year. So um, overall, it's you know it sucks, especially the day after, but it's it's um, still a very uh, positive positive season. Being able to knock uh, Louisville out of of the tournament, who was an old Conference USA foe, I still remember some bad blood between Bobby Petrino and Gary Patterson. I liked that. I loved that we. I loved, like you said, Daniel, that we got to knock Aggie out of the tournament. I tweeted on the Frogcast account. We've beat since being invited to the Big Twelve. We have ended A and M season for the last six years, and I immediately had some Aggie say, "What does your conference affiliation have to do with anything?" And I'm like, wow, "Oh my cool. gosh." Oh, that is oh rich. My, what in the heck, man? That is beautiful. I mean, these people are hanging Alabama national championship bangers, banners at Kyle Field, and they're frustrated that we have carried the banner for the Big 12 since we were invited. So that was, like you said, that was rich. I love knocking Aggie out. I think if you step back, which is always what you say after you lose, when you step back, when we got beat, when we got just hammered by Tech, manhandled by tech. And then we had those back-to-back walk-offs against OU. I thought, I don't know. And then when I saw that first regional, I thought, I don't know if we're going to get out of this. And then we just took care of business. And I think it's a testimony to the leadership of not only Schlossnagel, but this whole staff for their, their ability to kind of refocus, you know, take care of the game that's in front of you as cliched as that sounds. And that is what has gotten us to Omaha for the four years in a row. So I'm, I'm proud of this team. They have nothing to hang their head for. We did not have the biggest bat in baseball with us. He was in, you know, in the dugout injured and I'm looking forward to next year. So when we look at next season, what do you two guys think? What, what are some big holes that we obviously need to fill and who do you see either coming in in the recruiting class or stepping up out of the dugout to fill some of those holes for 2018? You know, obviously losing Evan Skaug, who's been the emotional heart and soul of this team for the last few years, <clears throat> that's going to be big. But, you know, I don't think uh, you're going to miss out on as much as you think. Um, Zach Humphreys is a guy that I think is going to step step right in. Uh, you know, once Baker went down the shore with the injury and, and, and Humphreys was able to come in as the DH, um, but he got a lot of, of, of you know, really needed uh, at bats and, and high uh, pressure situations in, in the regional, super regional, and, and the College World Series. I think going into next year, you're going to see a guy that knows that he can handle the bat at this level without any any fear. And he's not going to strike out as much as Scout. Obviously, he's not going to have the power of Scout. But you're not, as far as on base percentage and what he's going to do for, for the team. I think Zach Humphreys is is really going to do a nice job as a sophomore next year. Um, you know, you lo- you lose a lot in, in the outfield. Um, 
but I look at a guy like Johnny Reiser that's coming in, the Juco kid. Um, he's out of Blinn. Uh, he's really, really athletic kid, can play center, can play right. Um, there's really – they got a lot of talent coming in. You know, just these classes that they keep piling up. Now, obviously, they got hit pretty hard in the draft. Um, you know, Tyler Freeman was drafted. Uh, Jacob Gonzalez was drafted. Shane Baz, that's their, you know, three of their top guys in this class. Uh, we know Gonzalez is not coming back. Baz has already signed at $4.1 million. Um, but I don't think Freeman signed yet. I, I could be wrong on that, but um, I don't th- expect to see him come back. He's going to get a, a nice chunk of change, over a million dollars. So, um, you know, you took some hits, but there's still plenty of talent coming in this class, and there's still enough leftover talent, especially on the mound, that I think TCU can make another run next year. What are your thoughts, Daniel? You think we're going to be able to reload for next season? I think so. I, I think um, you, you win, you get your way to Omaha, and you get through Omaha with pitching. And the starting pitching is going to be, uh, of course, Janzak. Uh, Sean Weimer is probably going to move into a starting position. Nick Lodolo will still be there. Um, of course, losing someone like Brian Howard is awful. But... Um, we saw those guys, you know, especially Sean Weimer, really step it up. And um, and then, uh, shoot, just the other night, uh, Charles King, Charles King yeah. killed it. I, when he came he in, he was I fantastic. Was, yeah, I was nervous because I'd watched him at the early part of the season, and he had done well. And I thought, you know, okay, freshman, he, he did pretty good, but it wasn't against the greatest competition. And then he kind of had a big slump to where uh, I didn't trust him anymore. But he came in and dominated. And... Um, that gives me a lot of hope uh, as far as starting pitching, uh, middle relief, and then, um, of course, Durbin Feltman will be back. So um, what's really the big questions to me, I guess, um, are, you know, the course of position players. Um, I'm not worried about Zach Humphreys. I was impressed with him early on. Um, I think starting in the Big 12 tournament <clears throat> is when I started getting – um, really, really starting to see him coming around, and um, so you know, Barzilli, Ryan Merrill, Cam Warner, uh, Wade, Nolan Brown, those are going to be probably tough to replace. But I, I have total confidence that um, they'll, you know, they'll be filled filling those roles just fine, and and everything uh, falls back on pitching anyway. So uh, I'm I'm pretty confident, and I'm excited to see what was going to happen. Well, I can add a couple more guys to kind of watch out for too. Um, I don't know if you remember the name Dion Henderson, but he was a lefty out of Detroit. Uh, he was a 27th round pick from Cincinnati out of high school. Signed with TCU. He missed all of this year with an injury. Um, he's been he's supposedly back healthy. He's a big six four kid that pumps it up there about 94 95 miles an hour. That's a kid to keep an eye on next year. He'll be a redshirt freshman, and uh, he could really challenge for a starting role or maybe even pick up where Weimer. Uh, yeah, I really fully expect Weimer to be in the starting rotation next year, and, and that might be a position for him. Dion might go into the long, uh, you know, long relief role. So that's a guy to keep an eye on. And then the shortstop out of Alvarado uh, High School, Adam Oviedo. Um, he's he's a slick fielding shortstop. He's got good size. He's he's got a bat. Um, that's a kid that could step in and, and challenge. I mean, he was going to be, uh, you know, he was going to be battling with uh, with Freeman whenever he got here. Um, for the shortstop position. So that's another kid to keep an eye on is uh, Oviedo. He can play shortstop, but he can also play outfield. So he's real athletic, um, very versatile. But those two guys are a couple more guys to keep an eye on, along with, gosh, if you just look at the 2017 class that they have coming in, 
There's a big six, another six nine lefty. Uh, but then, well, he's a six nine lefty, not a righty like Howard. But Russell Smith out of Middleothian, who brings it in the low nineties. So there's plenty of you know, <laughs> there's plenty of replacements on the way that are extremely talented and. Just the way that they have the program set up right now and the, the, the level of coaching and the way that you know the, the upperclassmen pass on what's expected of these younger kids once they get into the program, I have full confidence that whatever TC puts on the field next year is going to be a very solid, solid program or solid team. You know, I'm going to miss Brian Howard on the mound and in the dugout. I mean, if that that guy is everything that's right with baseball, I just I just love watching him. You know, roaming and pacing the dugout. He plays with so much passion on the mound. I I, I love Brian Howard. That guy is everything that's right about college. Yeah, sports. how could you not like him? <laughs> yeah, that guy is awesome. That guy is awesome. So, one thing I did want to add, I know that uh, Great Davies Ghost, who runs a great Twitter account, big ta- baseball fan. He has was the guy that really initiated the fundraiser for the uh, the mash for Micah. He's the one that really got that off the ground just on a random tweet that he made months ago, and it looks like over fifty thousand dollars has been pledged to. uh, I know, isn't that amazing? So I just want to add a little caveat: if you made that pledge, follow through on that, please. That's a that's a legacy that we are able to continue, and it's a great reminder that life is bigger than sports, and there are people with much bigger challenges than we face. So anybody that's contributed to that, we'd love for you to uh, follow through on that if you made a pledge. And if you haven't yet, man, just join the crowd. We'd love to have you give. That's a that's a great legacy that you can build on that shows that TCU baseball is a whole lot more about wins and, than, than just merely wins and losses, and it's building strong men that know how to lift up uh, hurting young boys. I, I still cry when I see that picture of Micah looking out over the college world series last year. Yeah. It just, it, it just puts everything in perspective, literally and figuratively. It was, real, it was really awesome to see the TCU family kind of come together and embrace that, uh, that whole family. And just to see how with all the pledges that came through and I mean, $50,000, that's incredible, you know, and, and it's just really a, a testament to the real family atmosphere at TCU. And it's just, it's just been awesome to see that thing kind of take on a life of its own. I'm with you, Jeff. Uh, having a son and seeing that picture of Micah, it just it really hits home. And man, just like Jeremiah said, the, the way TCU just embraced the whole situation and made Micah one of their own is just it's just a testament of what that university is and, and the people that work for it. I love it. I love it. That's a that's an amazing story and amazing legacy that you can help be a part of, and I hope that you will. Well, that's a wrap on uh, 2017 TCU baseball. We get to Omaha. We're in the final four. Hold your head high, guys. That was a great season, and I was I was so proud to follow it. Well, since our last podcast, which was less than two weeks ago, we have had five new commitments to the 2018 class as well as a new commitment to the 2017 class. I'm going to read off these names to you, Jeremy Clark. You tell me everything you know about all of them. Ben Wilson, John Stevens, Chase Van Wagner, Eddie Smith, Chris Dyke. We are loaded with talent, reaching into the boot, reaching into North Dallas, into East Texas, as well as reaching out west with Ben Wilson. How did some of these stories unfold, and what can you tell us as subscribers and listeners that love to know about recruiting about these five guys? Well, do we want to go in order? If we want to go in order, we can do uh, John Stevens first. John Stevens is one of those guys that was at a camp a few weeks ago. Uh, big kid, 6'5", 201. I know some people have thought maybe defensive end, uh, maybe a tight end hybrid. I think he's he's pretty set at playing receiver. He could move inside. He did play some slot 
over the TCU camp and, and did really well. I don't know. I know I've compared him to Jason Morrow type just because I saw him running as a slot. I don't think he's going to get up to 265 like Jason Morrow is, but if he can get up to around 225, 230, keep his speed, that's going to be a huge weapon for the Frogs on offense. And he liked the idea of not having to play outside. He, he kind of liked it getting a chance to beat up on some safeties and some linebackers and one-on-one coverage. Uh, I think he's going to be a steal for this class. He, he, he kind of reminds me of uh, uh, just a small town classic guy that I always talk about. Love, love those small town guys because they got a chip on their shoulder, work a little bit harder and they've got a little bit more to prove. And he's one of those guys and he fits TCU's system perfectly. Uh, the next guy was Chase Van Wagner. I think I made a mention of uh, Chase the second John Stevens committed. Uh, Chase better not wait around, and he did. And he was an, another guy that once they offered, uh, they really had a, a great chance of getting. It was one of those deals where I was kind of surprised that he took so long to commit after they offered. But Chase is a very smart kid. Is uh, I believe one of his parents is a doctor. Uh, he comes from a very good family. Uh, had Stanford looking at him, had a bunch of offers on the table. I think he had close to 30 offers. He's really under the radar. I don't like where he's ranked right now. He's He's got good speed. He's probably about a four or five kid. He's got good size. He'll play outside, uh, but he's pretty versatile. He'll play uh, some slot too, but I think in the long run, he's going to end up playing more of an outside role for TCU, and that's kind of where they saw him. Uh, but, Go ahead. All right, let me let me interrupt you right there. I know that 19 people are going to ask this question, and Go you ahead. mentioned it on a recruiting chat. We had two commits at wide receiver with Stevens and Van Wagner. Tell me and confirm where are we at with Chapman and with Eric Uzakamana. I, I butcher names, forgive me. <laughs> are with, are both of those guys on the outside looking in? Do they have committable offers right now? The outside looking in, a lot of people ask me, or I know at least a couple asked me what that meant, and that basically means you're on the outside looking in. You don't you don't have a committable offer. Uh, they they kind of waited too long. There's some other stuff going on with Eric. It's not that he's just such a bad player. TCU doesn't want him anymore, or he waited too long. There's just some other things that I don't want to get into right now uh, as far as why they're backing off. Another school like A&M's backing off. I'm hearing. Arkansas's uh, becoming pretty big in his mind now. Uh, just hearing some stuff I heard today, but uh, with Chapman, it was just one of those deals where he waited too long. Yeah, he's a great talent, uh, great receiver. Saw him today. The one thing I was concerned with Chapman, though, is Chapman is if he committed to TCU and if a school like Texas A&M came into the picture, he would probably decommit from TCU and commit to A&M. I don't think he, if he really wanted to go to TCU, he should have committed already. Uh, I do think if A&M comes in and offers, he'll go to A&M, but I don't really think A&M going to extend an offer for him. Okay, that's good to know. I appreciate you fleshing that out. All right, so we got Stevens and Van Wagner. Eddie Smith, I believe, was the next commitment that we had in that chronology. Yeah, Eddie Smith was uh, a good pickup. I saw him today. He's a, a pretty good-sized kid. He's a legit six-foot Did a, a great job of locking down some of the top receivers out there in the field today and He's he's uh, kind of he, he kind of looks like a, a cornerback safety hybrid. He's, he almost looks as big enough to play safety, and it wouldn't surprise me if you know down the road he he does turn into a safety for uh, Gary Patterson. But Jeremiah did a great job on this one. Jeremiah was all over this commitment, knew that it was coming down, kind of gave you guys some fishing lines or some coffee emojis out somewhere. I saw that, but uh, Jeremiah did a great job of being on top of that commitment from the start, and uh, he's he's. Eddie's going to be a kid that 
we'll be talking about him come February when we're doing our signing day awards, when we're talking about uh, the hidden jewel or a guy that has the most potential, he could definitely be one of those guys that we mentioned. Okay. Tell me then about uh, Chris Dyke. Chris Dyke was kind of surprise, a surprise player. Uh, that one kind of came out of the blue. It's one of those kids that we really didn't uh, have a pulse on where he <clears> was going to commit to this. Chris is extremely <clears throat> close to the best. Uh, doesn't really do a whole lot of interviews, but they locked him. TCU obviously went out there and saw him. Anderson went out there and saw him in the spring. Thompson went out there and saw him. He's a big kid. He's about six, six, uh, 325, I think, 3, 330, somewhere around there. Or no, he's not that heavy. I'm thinking of I'm thinking of the 2017 kid. He he's a legit 6'6. He's probably about 290 right now. Um, but yeah, they like the kid. He he moves well if you watch his film. He actually pulls a lot from tackle, which that's pretty good if you see a tackle that's able to have enough mobility to come around and, and pull on some defensive tackles. But hey Jeremy. That's go ahead. Oh, I was just gonna say, uh, you know, I noticed I don't know. Did you actually interview Chris? No. Okay. That's the one that uh, somebody needs to talk to him because uh, he didn't know he wasn't supposed to commit at 1030 on a Saturday night. Or was it a Friday night? I can't remember. None of us were ready for that. He caught everybody off yeah. guard. Yeah. Saturday, Saturday, Saturday night commitment. Uh, I don't even remember where I was. No, I, I remember. You, I can tell you right now, I wasn't in front of a computer. I just remember that I woke up and of course the first thing I did was check the site and it said we had a commit and I was like, Oh yeah, I think it was Eddie Smith that had just committed the day before. And then it took me a couple hours to realize we had a new commitment. So that uh, somebody needs to walk through with Chris about uh, the timing and, and how, how to get a, get a lot of pop out of your commitment. Well, well first I, of all, he didn't he even did, put in there, respect yeah, my decision. Yeah. No interviews, no and interviews. And he didn't, he didn't give all glory to God. List. He didn't, he didn't give, give a top all 12 to or a top eight. No. I mean, no, I mean, that's, I, we joke about kids doing that, but you know what? They want to have their fun. And, you know, Jeremiah yes. and I always let their, let the kids have their moments. And, uh, he, he was just kind of one of those kids like, you know, I guess I'll go ahead and commit tonight and decides. And, and some of these kids won't even put stuff out on Twitter. It's just, you know, some of these kids really don't like the attention, but I was kind of, yeah, I, I wasn't kind of surprised. I was shocked that that came down and, I think, you know, to be honest, I probably I probably was out that night. I remember getting a text from Jeremiah and, and asking about it, but I can promise you I wasn't anywhere. My fingers weren't anywhere close to typing on a keyboard. They were probably wrapped around a bottle somewhere. <laughs> Good. I wish I would have been with you, my friend. All right, the last comment that we have from the 2018 class at the moment, at the moment of this recording, Ben Smith, big, or, excuse me, Ben Wilson, big linebacker from out west, probably the, the first true linebacker we have signed in a couple of cycles. How did we land this guy? How does he not have an offer from Washington? And who do you most compare him to? I'm surprised he doesn't have an offer from Washington because, I mean, the kid just put up astronomical stats last year, 200-something tackles. He had 16 tackles for loss, nine sacks, two interceptions. He moves all over the field. If you watch this, someone made a comment on it and I laughed about it on the board. He looks, it looks like the water boy, the way he just punishes running backs, receivers, and just the way he finishes tackles. He does a great job. Sideline to sideline has got great vision. Chad Glasgow did an outstanding job recruiting this kid. It was, it was pretty funny because people are trying to figure out how TCU is going up to Washington and, and getting some of these kids like Ben Wilson, Quazel White, it's because the coaches are doing a really good job. Chad's done a great job going up there. 
uh, and TCU is more of a national brand. And they, they've said it for the last couple of years. TCU might be more of a national brand than it is a Texas brand to some of these recruits that, you know, even up in Connecticut, I mean, the, the Michael Collins kid that played with uh, 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 the, the tackle. The, well, Lucas Nang. Yeah, Lucas Nang, yeah. yeah. I mean, Michael Collins, I mean, he came down and, and uh, you know, wanted to play big-time college football, so he's at TCU now. And we, me and Jeremiah saw that kid the other day. I wouldn't discount him making a run at some playing time and, and at some point in his career because he is a big kid and has a, a rocket arm. But not to get off the Ben Wilson subject, it, it was just really a, a, a great job by Glasgow just recruiting the kid and, and just telling him that TCU had a big need of linebacker. They do. They have six guys right now that are that are juniors or seniors, and by the time Ben's a, a true sophomore, redshirt freshman, he can very well be uh, competing for the starting position. Who does he remind me of? Uh, it's, it, it sounds cliche, but he kind of reminds me of Tank. Tank had a similar highlight film in, in high school. Uh, has great vision on the field, played well, sideline, sideline, good speed, same same size. Tank was about 6'2", 215, coming out of Sweeney. Um, I know that's a, a pretty high comparison for TCU fans, but I think Ben does have the kind of capability to have a good career like Tank did. I really like this commitment. This this guy's highlight film is is worth the watch. It's you know some people's highlight films are just them scoring touchdowns. This guy sets his hair on fire and goes and hits people. I really like. He looks like Garrett Wallow with another 25, 30 pounds. I love his tape. I'm a big fan you of know, Ben. Wilson. What a lot of people don't know about Ben is he played both ways last year. There were multiple games where he didn't come off the field for a single play. He played entire game on offense and entire game the that same game every play on defense. So didn't come off the field for a single play in multiple games last year. Iron that's Man just, football. That's just even better considering how many tackles he had on defense. This tells you what kind of motor this kid has. Well, real quick, two more tackles that uh, one looks like is about to come into the fold, another one that hopefully will within the year. We have a new 2017 commit from JUCO out west. Jeremy, tell us about uh, the Englishman that we have uh, – Hopefully signed or soon to be si- soon to sign. Where, what's our connection there? Well, this is another surprise to us. I mean, we we really didn't have a pulse on that because it's it's just really came out of left field. The kid is huge. He's six eight, three twenty five. He's originally from the UK. Uh, played football over there. Got so good to where he decided he wanted to to give us a shot at playing college football in America. So he came over and, and got recruited by. Uh, Saddle, Saddleback College in California and, and played there last year, but uh, he's apparently a full qualifier right now. Uh, TCU is doing some background stuff, making sure everything's going to be verified, just doing their due diligence as they always do with every recruit. And, and once all that goes through, then uh, we'll, we'll likely see him end up on campus sometime later this summer. But you're talking about a kid that's 6'8", 325 and, and moves pretty good. If you watch his huddle film, he, he's a, a great looking prospect and you can't go wrong with size like that. I mean, you got a, a guy that, that, that is that big. You got Lucas Nang that's six six. You got Matt Pryor that's six seven, and you have a guy like Connor Mays that has to sit out this year, but would be be uh, playing next year in 2018. That's a big kid. So, anytime you can find a, a lineman that can get on campus and have three years to play three, or even four years to play three, that's a huge recruiting find. And, and I'm anxious to see what he can do, especially. As raw as he is, he, he's so raw. You don't know if he's going to play tackle or guard. The good thing is he's he's got extreme, extremely long arms, 
and his feet move well, but if he doesn't work out a tackle, he's big enough to move inside and play guard. But the good thing is, and I like what I mentioned earlier, is he's he's a raw prospect, so there's a there's a very high ceiling for him, and uh, it's a it'll be a great uh, teaching chance for uh, Chris Thompson to see what he can do with with the player that has so many uh, God-given skills, but just hasn't had anyone tap into those skills yet. And so Chris has a, a great chance to develop a guy that can be a potential NFL player if he, uh, you know, works out pretty good for TCU. He's obviously got the size, so we'll see how it goes. Well, speaking of tackles, have we written the last chapter of the Willie Allen saga and update us on where everything is at with Willie right now? I think that chapter might be might be a new chapter beginning. What do you think, Jeremiah? Yeah, I think uh, there's still more to come, and I think it'll be something TC fans like a lot. Yeah, I mean, there's there's we, one thing we've always said on the board is if, if Willie does go JUCO, he's not going JUCO to go to another school. He's not he's not going to go spend another year at another school. Uh, just to get away from LSU. If he wanted to do that, like Jeremiah said on the board, he he could have gone to UCLA, he could have gone to Baylor, uh, he could have gone to any of those places that were reaching out to him. But the fact that he does want to, his dream was to play for TCU. Everyone that follows Willie on Twitter, has, has talked to him, knows that Willie wanted to go to TCU. Okay, it's there's there's no there's no secret in that anymore. But he knew the only way he could get to TCU is if he went to a JUCO for a year. So the fact that he's going to JUCO and willing to spend a year there just to finally live out his dream of playing for TCU, you got to respect the kid for doing that. I'm sure there's going to be a, a lot of animosity from TCU fans that uh, against LSU, and rightfully so because you know they blocked they blocked TCU, uh, blocked Willie from going to TCU. But, but you know, the, I, the end result is he'll have a chance to uh, end up playing for the Frogs. But I read on an LSU message board that TCU coaches have been tampering with up to three people on the LSU roster. So it's on a message board. So it has to be true, right? Absolutely ridiculous thing I've ever heard. Yeah. That was insane. I mean, that's 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 the that's the going thing these days. If if, if something doesn't go in a particular fan base's way, and I'm not just you know throwing LSU under the bus on this, I am. I'm it's sorry, it's no, always sorry. it's always got to be something to do with you know like throwing the tampering. TCU's pretty daggum smart about what the rules are. I've had I've had kids that I'm literally interviewing telling me that. When I ask them about TCU, have they talked to you? No, they can't read. They tell me when I try when I try calling them that they can't call me back because it's against NCAA rules. You know, that's that's literally like if they if they miss a call, they don't even call the kid back because against it's against NCAA rules during some recruiting periods. And so for 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 someone to kind of just throw them under the bus saying that they were tampering with Willie and, and, and trying to contact him. That is completely false. And it's funny. He's too smart to do that. It's funny that, you know, they would tamper with that and cheat and go against the NCAA rules, but LSU isn't going to report it. Isn't that funny? Oh yeah. That's, that's one well, of the things that I haven't seen is <laughs> how convenient. Wanna, yeah. You want to talk about the tampering. If, if there really is tampering going involved, you're going to report that it, being involved. You're going to report that to the NCAA. And then again, I don't, I'm not sure LSU. I'm, I'm just not sure LSU wants to open that can of worms. If we're going to talk about any kind of uh, improprieties, you know, I, 
I think we know the SEC model, and I'll leave it at that. And so it it, it doesn't <laughs> – I don't think it needs to be explained any further. I'm going to go ahead and uh, explain it a little further because I've heard this from a couple people. <laughs> I have heard now this is urban legend, so it has to be true. I, I read it on a West Virginia message board when they were talking about Big Twelve expansion. That <laughs> I've heard that the going the going way that they 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 get the the cash to the family is a wealthy booster goes down and gets fifty bucks from or fifty grand from Harris Casino in chips and gives it to the family, and then they're able to go down and get that money turned right into cash, and it's as clean as can be. I, I have multiple people tell me that. I am not saying that happens, but I laugh at the thought of some LSU booster cashing out money from a mutual fund to go down to the uh, casino to to put, put money in the hands, or to, to extend the SEC model is what you said. The, the, the SEC is the wild, wild west. That's all there is to it, and that that's the way it's been. It's going to continue to be that way. And I'm just happy to know that TC doesn't operate that way. Um, I've even mentioned that, you know, there are players that I won't say any names, but that have, you know, it's known that that's what it would take to get them. And TC won't go down that road. And I respect Gary Patterson and his staff for wanting to do things the right way. And uh, that's, that's, that's just the way that TC doesn't play that game. First of all, Jeff, make sure yeah. you let us make after making your statement make sure you let us know where you're going to be every day just so we can if we don't hear from you we know where where to find you Modern, second, of all, second of all it, it it is pretty funny because what Jeremiah was saying it, it it's to the point where fans joke about it they they laughingly joke about how they pay players yes and it, it's become a running joke to them because they know what happens and they know and they're not they, going to get in trouble. For and it. they know they're not going to get in trouble. Exactly. And so it's funny. It's funny to see those fan bases throw out accusations the way they do when they know when they're right, even though it's a running joke. They know there's a lot of truth to it. And it, it's it's just funny the 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 fan bases of some of these schools that they want. If things don't go their way, it's obviously got to be because of some reason. And we saw it here. You know, the last few weeks when when Justin committed to TCU, it, it, you know, there's something going on. What's not what's not happening? But or they didn't want him anyway. It's funny to watch. Yeah, it right. Good enough. Wasn't good. That's enough. my favorite line. I have I've had multiple LSU fans who I have no clue who they are that track me down on Twitter and they're like, no, 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 we didn't want him anyway. He's he's not a good fit in Canada's offense. And, you know, we've really backed off the last month. He was not our, our number one target at quarterback. And I'm like, okay, so you wouldn't take his commitment now. Well, I didn't say that. <laughs> right. Well, yeah. Justin not only is, is is the top quarterback in Louisiana, he has a pretty dang good chance to be the top quarterback basically in the country if he keeps playing the way he's playing right now. He is. He is. We're going to touch on that in a second, uh, you being able to see him up close here. Uh, let's go ahead and change gears on recruiting. Jeremy, uh, Jeremiah, you have uh, made some pretty strong claims that I've appreciated of what you think is going to unfold over the next month and a half here in terms of the Frogs 2018 class. Between you and Jeremy, who do you see as the next uh, guys that are going to commit between now and August 8th? What dominoes do you see falling for sure or that you feel really good about, I guess? You don't have to use a percentage. And then also, you know, what what are some things that we are we got a we got a chance here. We we see guys that could be committing soon that you feel really good about where TCU is gonna be. Who are the names we should have on our radar? 
Well, you know, the, I, I think I said uh, we were looking at six or seven commits between, I guess, a week ago and August the 8th. And obviously, a couple other guys committed that what I, that I wasn't prepared for. Um, but Ben Wilson uh, was one. Um, Eddie Smith was the other that have committed so far out of the ones that I was I was speaking of. Um, but pay attention on July 2nd um, at the opening. Um, I think it's going to be good news for Frog fans. Uh, Jamar Chase, which is an absolute stud receiver out of Louisiana, four-star. Uh, it's, it's head-to-head. It's LSU and TCU right now. LSU insiders feel like everybody they're talking to is, is saying it's LSU. Uh, I feel very confident with what I'm hearing. And so uh, his – I want to say Aaron Brule is his cousin. I know it's his teammate. Um, but that's the, the, the safety that was committed to Kansas. Um, he's decommitted. Um, but he, he worked out at a camp for TCU, and they worked him out at linebacker. He came in at 6'1", 210. And uh, I can tell you right now, uh, the staff loves him at linebacker. Um, and I, I think uh, you can see his commitment come down on July 2nd as well. Um, so that's something to keep an eye on there. Um, let's see, August 8th, um, I think we all know Tajon Henry is supposed to commit. Um, that's a guy that's – I know he enjoyed his Iowa State visit recently, and uh, there are there are some other schools in play for him. But I think he ends up at uh, TCU. I mean, as a matter of fact, I've kind of heard that he's he's recruiting for TCU out there. So that's got to be good news. Um, and then Tay Barber was another guy that that I think you know we thought he was going to possibly commit already. He didn't quite make it up for his visit uh, recently, but I think that's another one that could commit between now and August the eighth. So. Um, how many is that? It's two, four, at six. There was one more, and I'm I'm drawing a blank right now. Who the who the seventh one might have been? Is Slade Bolden going to commit before? You know what? Uh, LSU just picked up a commitment from a guy, and if you if you believe what you what you read on the LSU side, uh, Slade Bolden may not have a, a spot anymore with LSU. So um, I've all, I felt like TCU and LSU and maybe even Alabama were his top choices. Um, I know he liked Arkansas as well. But uh, I think TCU's a pretty good spot. Now, this is something I'll defer to Jeremy because I'm very curious to see this. Where does TCU like Slade Bolden the most? And the reason why I ask that, if you take a guy like John Henry and you get Tay Barber as your slot, where does Slade Bolden fit? And would they take, you know, all three of those guys? Yeah, I think Slade can can be a running back. He's Henry and, and Bolden are kind of similar players, but I think Bolden's more – of a running back uh, than what Henry is as far as, uh, you know, the, the way he can carry the bulk of the running game. Uh, he's, he weighs obviously a lot more than uh, Henry does. And it's funny cause I'm going to sound bad when I compare him, but Christian McCaffrey, everyone throws that out there, but he's, you know, Slade Bolt, Slade Bolton can play running back or slot receiver for them. And there's never, there's never taken too many, too many uh, slot receivers that can move the chains for you. And uh, that's one of the players that was mentioned uh, that they really want to land out of the receivers that they have remaining on, on their radar between him, uh, Tay Barber and uh, Jamar Chase. Well, I think we can all agree if he commits to TCU, he definitely didn't have an LSU offer. That's what every LSU fan (laughs) will tell you. He definitely did not have an offer. Yeah, that's, Slate's, Slate's a great athlete too, and, and everyone Jeremiah's mentioned before he he plays baseball as well, and, and uh, you know TCU would probably be the best fit for him overall as far as uh, getting early playing time and 
and uh, just not only as a, uh, a running back and, and slot receiver, but as also as a return specialist. Specialist, I could see him returning kickoffs, returning punts. He can do a lot of things in the, the return game as well. So he, overall, he he would be a guy that you take no matter what, just because of his versatility on the field. And, and but I will, uh, go ahead. Go ahead, Jeremy. Go ahead. I was, I was, go ahead and talk about, t- talk about Slade. I was going to bring up another point. Okay, I was just going to say on Slade, you know, he is almost 200 pounds right now. So he's filled out. And like Jeremy had mentioned, you know, he's the kind of guy that can carry the load as a full-time running back. If they got him on campus and felt like that was the best fit for him, I could see that being his position. So I mean, he is very versatile and can play multiple positions. But kid that's 5'11", almost 200 pounds right now, and then just a very athletic kid. I mean, he can do a lot of things for you. Thing I was going to bring up with uh, you guys were talking about Jeremiah's commitments, and like like he said, July second could be a pretty big day for uh, for the frogs. August eighth, I think, is going to be a really good day for the frogs because you have Tay Barber and, and Henry both committing. I think another name to watch out for is Darius Davis, out of uh, Louisiana. Uh, he, he's a a guy that's a corner, uh, plays more of a nickel corner. Uh, for for the bootleggers on their uh, seven on seven team, but he's a guy that they would definitely take. He's about five nine, five ten. He's kind of built like Anthony Tejada, and uh, he's got really good speed. He does have a committable offer. I did confirm that today, and uh, right now TCU is the top school for him. And I would not be surprised if in between July second and August eighth that Darius Davis would go ahead and uh, make his commitment to TCU. I put in a crystal ball for him today. And uh, I know he has a lot of great things to say about TCU, and uh, it's no surprise Justin Rogers is committing the heck out of him. And uh, the one thing that was kind of surprising uh, from what uh, he told me and Brule told me when I asked them about TCU and the connection with the Louisiana players, they mentioned Justin being a guy that's recruiting them and other players from the bootleggers recruiting them as well talking about TCU and that's not just Eddie Smith and Jacoby that's other players so there's something brewing down in Louisiana that frog fans are going to be pretty excited about oh I like the sound of that that might be a receiver that uh, left TCU out of his top four Um, oh that very well could be and that's and that's what I put on my notes today too Uh, I didn't talk to him personally EJ did we didn't want to hammer the guy with interview after interview, but uh, he did say on record today that TCU is very much in it still, and they're right up there with everyone else that he listed in his top four. Have a good year, and I think he's here. That's I didn't mean to rhyme, but if we have a good season, I think we're going to land him. So I still stand by the fact that if Justin Rogers is here, Jamar Chase is here, Eddie Smith is here, all these guys that are his friends um, that he grew up with, and TCU has a big year. I, I just I could see it happening. And I know it's still it's the thought of the five star receiver landing at TCU, a top ten player in the country, still hard to fathom. And I know that he's a, a top priority for LSU, if you know what I mean. Um, it's I just think I, I just think TCU has a legitimate shot here. Well, really quick, Jeremy, uh, we've talked a lot about some of these boys from Louisiana. 
We had the seven on seven, the the pile on seven on seven there in DFW this weekend. And obviously the bootleggers, that team out of Louisiana was here. And it sounds like they did a lot of damage and, and really made a big impact on the national stage there in, in DFW with their seven on seven team. We had we had those guys playing well. I know that you were out there. I know EJ was out there. We also had a big chunk of them that came on campus to, you know, obviously interact with the staff, see the, you know, see the campus, see the facilities and all of that. Is there anybody, anything that you saw there that you would love to share with us? Anybody that we might want to have on our radar that uh, maybe we didn't have before? I'm looking at Kelvin Joseph is, is one of those guys you might want to talk about. What, what's your takeaway in terms of the overlap of that seven-on-seven team from Louisiana and the impact of their visit to TCU? Well, I think uh, a lot of them like TCU, and obviously that stems from the way Justin talks about them and the way Eddie talks about them and, and uh, Jacoby. Jacoby actually wasn't up there this weekend. He didn't make it in town for the tournament. Um, but uh, Eddie and, and Justin obviously were over there with, with the rest of the team. Jamar Chase and Aaron Belay went over there today. Kel- Kelvin Joseph went over there today after the – after the seven on seven, but you know, I, I don't think it could hurt one bit because when you have a guy, uh, the recruiting bell cows, everyone's calling it like Justin Rogers, that's a uh, headline headline in class and uh, actively recruiting these kids. You're going to listen to the four star quarterback and you're going to listen to the guy that everyone's been raving about for the last two days uh, with his performance at that seven on seven championship. I got to tell you, and I've said it on board, but Justin is, is really just making his way up the recruiting rankings just because he's he's played so well in the lead 11. He's played well at the pylon seven on seven the last two days. EJ Holland today told me he thinks Justin's a five star. And uh, for EJ to say that, Justin, you know, EJ's pretty, he's pretty objective when it comes to the rankings of kids. I know people give him a hard time about being a Texas guy, but EJ overall is a, a really objective uh, person when it comes to just kind of evaluating kids and, he told me straight up today that Justin Rogers is best, best quarterback. He said there's no reason why that kid shouldn't be a five-star, and I agree with him. There's just throws that he makes that he's a 6'4", 205-pound kid that runs well. He hates being referred to as a dual threat, so I never referred to him as a dual threat. I just refer to Justin as a quarterback that can run if he has to. He hates running. He wants to throw the football. He would rather throw for 5,000 yards instead of throw for 3,000 and rush for 2,000. That's not who he is. He wants to be a guy that just – puts the team on his back and, and throw the ball down the field and just dissect secondaries. And that's what he did today. The performance he had against the fast uh, 17 from Houston, it was remarkable. You're talking about dissecting the secondary that has Jordan Moore, Leon O'Neill, uh, Deshaun Jameson, Jalen Green. You're talking about some very, very highly rated kids that are defensive backs. And everyone sees that defensive backfield and thinks, man, how is anyone going to score against them? And Justin did great. Justin had, I mean, I, I put a story on the board today with some of the clips from his thro- his throws. And there's just some throws that I don't even think some college quarterbacks can make right now. His arm strength is just through the roof. He's got great size. And he's only going to get better. And and everyone wants to ask me and Jeremiah, what's, what's it going to be like when he gets on campus? Is, is it going to be a battle between him and Sean? And I've said before, and I'm going to, I'm going to, take back a little bit of the statement I've said. I said before that I think since Sean has been on campus and he'll have a year under his belt of, of the offense and he very well may be uh, a starter this year that he would have the upper hand. But I think Justin does have the ability seeing him continue to, to throw the ball the way he does with his size and speed. If he can pick up the offense good, 
That'll be a very, very good battle come springtime because Justin's going to be here in the spring next year. So he'll have a chance to uh, definitely come in and you might have a, you might have a quarterback roster that has a starter as a, as a sophomore and a true freshman as their top two guys very easily. I think the staff can, does not get enough credit for the work that they have done to not only get kids on campus, not only get Justin Rogers to commit, but we have guys that are committed to LSU. We have guys that are committed to top schools that are like, Hey, I need to look at TCU. You know, the, the, the staff has done a great job of raising our recruiting profile. And I, I think they, I think they deserve a lot of credit for that. We're getting guys that we, we never would have gotten a second look from five years ago that are now all in on TCU. They're, uh, they're talking about how we got kids that are committed to TCU that never would have looked here. So I'm grateful for that. I think the staff has done a great job. And, uh, Couple- and to answer your, and to answer your question, cause I know I was so long winded a second ago, but the guy that I would really just pay attention to, and I already mentioned his name is Darius Davis. I think that visit for him might, might have the biggest impact and, and, uh, like I said, TCU is at the top for him right now, and I think we all could be seeing something go down once all these commitments start coming in. I think he'll jump on the bandwagon as well. Great. Well, we've talked a lot about skill guys, people we want to get the ball in their hands, people that can throw it to them. Calvin Avery, four-star defensive tackle out of North Dallas. What? Where Where do the Frogs stand with him? How close does he have? Do we have any clue of his commitment timeline? Because that's one of the guys that all of a sudden seem to be trending towards TCU. And I'm curious what direction you see that heading. Yeah, that's a very interesting topic. We just talked about that today. Uh, TCU's in a very, very good place with him. Zarnell Fitch has done a great job recruiting him. He has a great relationship with him. He can talk to him basically like he does Ross Blacklock. If you ever see Zarnell Fitch and Ross Blacklock interact, it's like father and son, and that's kind of how Fitch and Avery are. They they have that respect, and uh, it's funny because he he respects Fitch so much, but he also knows that he can joke around with Fitch, and they joke back and forth. And you know, they it's funny because they were you know jabbing at each other a few weeks ago over uh, the NBA 2K game because Fitch actually beats these kids. It's funny because Fitch is this coach, and no one these teenage kids don't. He don't think they can get anyone to beat them. And Fitch is going in there and beating all these kids at this game that they all think they're experts at. So it's pretty funny when, when you see that happening uh, and them talking back and forth. But Calvin is, uh, he, I think he's going to wait the process out a little bit. I think he enjoys it. I think he enjoys getting the attention. I think he uh, just kind of wants to make sure that TCU's the place for him. I think he respects everything about the program. No, he loves Fitch. No, he loves Coach Patterson. No, he loves the program. No, he loves the facilities, loves everything about TCU. But I don't know if it's enough for him to sit down and think, do I want to commit to TCU right now? Because some in some of these things, and I'm not claiming it's what he's thinking, but it could be. But some of these big time players like that, they really got to get convinced that TCU is the place to be. Um, They get people telling them it's the place to be and they feel in their heart that it's the place to be. Sometimes the TCU across the side of the helmet may not be bright enough lights for him. And again, I'm not claiming that to be Avery's uh, mindset, but it, it, it kind of it makes you scratch your head sometimes when kids talk so much about coaches and, and a program and hold them in such a high light that they don't go ahead and commit. But he uh, is definitely going to take his time and just have to be patient with this one. Sounds good. A couple other quick questions off the board. Uh, where do we stand with Jordan Moore? Is there even an option of him making his way to TCU at this time, you think? 
Uh, I think he still wants to take a visit up here. I tried to catch up with Jordan today, and I and I didn't catch him. Um, I think they were kind of mad after they lost to uh, the bootleggers today because uh, it was funny because EJ made a comment that the offense wasn't looking good and the defense was getting chewed up by Justin pretty good. I mean, Justin did have a great game against them, and so none of those guys really wanted to talk afterwards. Um, but I, I did some checking around. I, I don't feel 100% sure that just, uh, Jordan's going to end up at uh, A&M. And every time I've talked to him, he said he's going to try to get up to TCU this summer. I'm anticipating him trying to get up. They're going to have that elite camp. Uh, probably the first one in July is going to be considered the elite camp when they're going to try to get a bunch of the high-profile kids up to. And uh, I, I can see him coming up and, and just kind of hanging out with the coaches and, and uh, get in front of them again because they do have a great relationship with him. Uh, I know a lot of fans are kind of mad they didn't offer and they think he could have committed already, but TCU's going to do their full evaluation, and that's what they did with Jordan. But we'll see what happens. You know, I don't, uh, I don't fault the staff for the way they've recruited the Moore brothers or not recruited them because I think they've, I think they've been tracking accurately this whole time, and I, I know that they're going to do what's best. And maybe they're, maybe he's not at the top of their list, and I think they know a little more than we do. They definitely know more than the Aggies, so I think we can all agree to that. So, well, fellas, anything else that's on uh, the three year olds' mind before we head towards the wrap up here? Anything else you thought you, uh, man, I got to say this when we get on the podcast before we wrap things up. Daniel, not on my end. (laughs) Nope. Nope. Okay. Well, I've got uh, two things I want to say before we wrap up. Number one, if you're not following us on iTunes, please subscribe on iTunes. Please track us down on Facebook. Please track us down on Twitter. And if you're not subscribed to Horn Frog Blitz, what in the world are you waiting on? It's the best uh, eight, nine bucks a month that you can spend. We'd love to have you as part of the Horn Frog Blitz community at TCU 24 seven. It's a great site. All this stuff gets fleshed out daily. You will, you will not simply go to that site once a day or once a day. You will be there multiple times a day. It's a great way to feature TCU football and baseball and basketball addiction. Second thing I want to highlight, we're going to have more details as we uh, get closer to it, but go ahead and put on your calendar July 22nd. We are going to tentatively have a barbecue at Heim Barbecue in the hopes of doing a Frogcast episode right there with brisket rolling down our fingers. So we're going to have July 22nd, a Horn Frog Blitz uh, barbecue where we're going to meet up. We're going to have some food. We're going to hopefully record a show. If you've always wanted to know what the guy looks like from uh, one of the crazy handles on the message board, here's a good chance to come and meet some people. We're going to do that in Fort Worth. You're going to know all about it by the time it gets here, but we are super excited about hosting that at Heim Barbecue for a Horn Frog Blitz uh, gathering. We're going to record a frog cast, hopefully give you a chance to interact with some of the people that are on this show, get to know some people that you're posting with, and you can finally find that guy and tell him that you downvote him every time. I'm a Looking forward to telling some folks that. So there's a couple people I downvote all the time. So if you wonder who downvoted you, just assume it was me. So <laughs> well, I'm looking forward to, to high end barbecue. I'm not going to lie. That sounds like a fun time. That sounds like a good time to me. When I ran it by you, you just said, you stopped me when I said high barbecue. And you're like, yes, I'm all in. Go no I further. started getting visions in my head already. Yeah, I know. Like, I can't, I, I can't wait. There's It'll one actually guy be- here that just likes Dickies though. You got to watch him. <laughs> he loves that Dickies and Taco Bueno. Damn, Taco man. Bell, get it right, Jeff. Yeah, man. Oh, Taco Bell. Bueno, that's I'm too sorry. that's too highbrow for me. 
(laughs) (laughs) That is far too highbrow for you. I keep forgetting that, man. Uh, Well, guys, this was a great show. Um, If you're listening to this, man, we'd we'd appreciate your support. Uh, If you see us on Twitter, retweet it for us. We love to expand our audience. We got a large and and growing community here on the Frogcast. We love being part of 24-7 with Horn Frog Blitz. We appreciate your support, and thanks for listening all the way through. So for Daniel, for Jeremy, and Jeremiah, I'm Jeff Mitchell. Thanks so much for listening to the Frogcast. We'll be right back.